All right, good morning, good morning. Thank you guys for hanging out. Our brother Marcus is going to open us up this morning, and uh, we're going to be in the Word together. Brother? Uh, thank you, Lord, for me being able to stand here in front of all these beautiful people. I just want to share something right quick. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at um, UAB Hospital, and I had a CAT scan, and they had three, they located three spots on my left, left lung, and it's cancer, I believe, but I'm not sure, but um, I'll know for certain Wednesday. But the thing is, we don't get the um, choice to check out when we want, no more, no more than when we have the choice to come into this world. So the reason for that is God is in control. Man, I appreciate that, Marcus. Always encouraging words from our brother. And man, just remember that as well, just to continue to pray for him. Let's lift him up uh, together. And so thank you. Thank you, Marcus, for sharing. And uh, we love you, brother. We're, we're with you this morning. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here uh, this week. A little bit bigger crowd than we had last week. Last week was a little damp. Uh, for those of you that were here last week, uh, we enjoyed being together uh, even in that time, but we definitely shortened, you know, shortened things down last week. But I want to uh, to kind of pick back up where we were two weeks ago. If you were here, that's wonderful. If not, I'll try to recap that real quick because I believe it it ties into where we're at today. Uh, I think it was three weeks ago. I talked for the first time since May the 29th, and I got a few amens when I said that. I don't know if that means. Amen, we're glad to have you back. Amen, we wish it was still going on. I don't know what that was, but we'll, we'll let that laid for just a little bit. Uh, but when I came back, we talked about healing. Now, if you were here, you remember that. If not, uh, like I said, I want to give just a quick recap either way because it, it kind of picks back up. Different story, but kind of the same thought uh, of healing uh, this week. I feel like there is desperate need of healing, even within the church, those who believe and know Jesus is Lord and Savior, and so I believe that's uh, on God's heart this morning for us. So when we looked at that, there were two questions that I asked. One, if you remember, I even put this out on social media for those that follow along. I said, are you in need of healing? Anybody remember that? Or if you were here, I said, are you in need of healing? That could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual, it could be any number of things, addiction, sin. But we asked, are you in need of healing? And then we followed it up with an even more important question, I think, because I think we landed, or at least I did, I hope you landed there as well, that everyone is in need of healing, some kind of way. I mean, no matter how seemingly put together, um, no matter how much it, it looks like somebody has life figured out, they have areas in their life that need healing. We all need that, and we said that Jesus is the source of that healing, be it physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, past hurts, wounds, addiction, any of those things. But then secondly, we asked this question. I want to see if you remember this one. Everybody look this way. It seems silly, but it's Jesus' question, so we're going to roll with it and say that he had a reason for asking this. If you remember the cripple at the pool of Bethesda, anybody remember that story? He was laying there. There was this old school legend that when the water stirred up that it was an angel at work, and, and really beside the point of that, people were putting their focus, if I could just make it into the water, 
How many of us have ever had that moment? If I could just do this or if I could just do that, if I could just land this new job, if I could just be noticed by this, everything would be fine. We've done that before. It may not be a literal pool that we go to, but we have those pools in our life that we say, if I could just do this, then everything would be fine. But Jesus comes to this man that's laying at this pool. He's been laying there for a long time. He's been crippled for a long time. And if you remember, it was an odd question. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Not do you need to be, but do you want to be healed? And I've always tried to look at it from the perspective of that man laying there, of wanting to look at Jesus and say, what a silly question. I'm at the place of healing. I, you see me attempting to get in the water. No one's here to help me. Of course I want to be healed. You know, the rest of the story, Jesus told him, so we'll pick up your mat and walk. And the man was healed that day. In fact, there was later reports of him running and jumping through the town. I mean, a testimony that no one could deny. Something miraculous had happened. He answered, yes, I'm in need of healing. I've often wondered what if he had said no. What if he'd have been so prideful and said, no, I, I don't need healing. I don't need anything. I don't know how the story would have played out. But here's what I would encourage is if you're in need of healing and we ask the question to your spirit, to your soul, do you want to be healed? My prayer is that you would answer, yes, I want to be healed. If you remember, I, I, I talked about a story in 2 Kings. It was by a guy named Naaman. Uh, if you were here, you remember that. And it was so eerily similar to a lot of our stories. You see, Naaman was this man of importance, and he was in need of healing. He had this physical disease, leprosy. Not only a physical disease, but it also had spiritual connotation to it that when he had to enter a town, this was a man of prestige and power. In fact, he rolled up with chariots and horses, if you remember that. But he said uh, when he would roll up, he would have to yell, unclean, because that's what he was viewed as. Unclean, spiritually, physically. That there was this disease that he had, and he was in need of healing. He was told about a man named Elisha. And he went to this man, and if you remember the story, Elisha didn't even leave from his house. He said he sent messengers out to him. And I don't know if he sent him with a piece of, you know, scroll that, you know, he had jotted a note down, or if he sent just with word. But he sent out, and he said, tell Naaman to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Anybody remember that? Do you remember Naaman's response? He said, why would I go do that? Are there not so many cleaner rivers outside of Israel? Why do I have to go dip myself seven times in the Jordan? And by the way, not only was he hung up on that, but he said, I thought that he would come down and see me. So he was a little hacked off that he sent a messenger. But he said, I thought he would come down. And then the real nugget in the story happens. He says, I thought he would wave his hand over me and pray to God, and the leprosy would be gone. So in other words, here's a guy named Naaman, and if you were to ask him the question, do you want to be healed, he would have said yes. In fact, I'll load up my horses and chariots. I'll go to this man named Elisha's house. I'll you know, let him come down, wave his hand over me, do his little magic dance, pray to God, and everything will be fine. That's the way I want healing. You see, some of us have that, answer do you want to be healed yes I want to be healed but God if you would I would really prefer it 
Let's see, I think Tuesday at 7.30, if I just wake up and maybe I say the right prayer or read the right devotional, and if you could just, you know, wave your hand over that, and no work required on my part, no uh, humbling myself, no uh, asking forgiveness, just if you would just wave your hand and just make everything go away. Anybody ever feel like that? You just wish it was easy. I'm going to go and break it to you. If you weren't here, or if this is a repeat, I think it bears repeating. Rarely, rarely does healing come in a way that you could draw up. It just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I wish, honestly, that I could sit down and say, you know what, I've got this situation, that situation going on, God. It would really help me if you would step in and you would take care of it this way. Very rarely that way. Naaman went and no way was he thinking that he was going to have some kind of prescription that he had to do. And in fact, if you want to look at the New Testament, you look how Jesus heals people, there's all kind of ways. There's some that he walks up to and he, he like the, the, the cripple at the pool and he says, pick up your mat and walk. And it's as simple as that. Do you have the faith to pick up and, and the fact that you haven't walked in years and decades and be able to take and put one foot in front of the other? That was a, a faith thing. There was one, I remember, where someone was blind and it said that he took some dirt from the ground. Do you remember that? And Jesus spit. I'm going to tell you, that sounds kind of gross, but that's some holy spit, right? I didn't say the other. I said holy spit, and I didn't plan that, but it just crossed my mind. I'm sorry. But he took and he made mud and he put it on somebody's eyes. And then there's another where he's walking through a crowd and a woman with the bloody discharge, and what did she do? She just touched Jesus. And like Jesus didn't know, but he said, hey, somebody touched me. I wonder who it is. I felt power go out. You remember that story? And then there's others that, you know, it was the faith of their family. You know, he said, and by the way, yeah, because of you, because of your faith, your son has been healed. So it's never the same. It's never other than it's Jesus. So here's what I can tell you. In your prescription, when he brings you to a place of needing healing, I can't tell you what he's calling you to. Here's all I can ask. Would you just listen? It's probably not going to be the way you would have drawn it up, but if he calls you to something and it's never going to contradict his word, okay, here's what I want to tell you. If your uh, need of healing is like, man, I've got this one person that has just owned me all the time, and I can't... And you say, you know what, I think God's telling me to bump that person off. Just going to take them out of the picture. He's not going to do that, right? He's not going to go contradictory to his word. He's not going to call you to do something that would be against his character. But he will call you to do things out of your comfort zone or things that you wouldn't have drawn it up. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me this morning? Okay. All right, so that's the story of Naaman. That's where we're at. And the idea that you may be the one in the way of your very own healing. He may have given the prescription already. He may have told you what to do, be it rehab, be it a relationship that needs to be started or a relationship that needs to be ended. This season of life, that season, he calls us to different things. So he may have already given you the prescription and you may be the one in the way of just not simply listening And following through your Jordan experience of going and dipping seven times may be out there. You just haven't followed through. So I would encourage you, listen, seek, and walk. That's what we said that week. So this week I want to talk about healing some more, but I'm going to go to the New Testament. It's going to feel odd, a story that we're at. But it just really, really spoke to my heart uh, last week when I wanted to teach it. 
was able to give just a little bit of a nugget while we were out here getting drenched. And I ask you to think about it. If you remember the question, are there things that Jesus need to overturn in your life? Again, with the idea we may be the ones in the way of our healing. I want to read to you in Mark chapter 11 where Jesus cleanses the temple. Here's what it says in verse 15. It says, And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the table, the money changers, and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We believe in this place that it is God-breathed and useful for all sorts of things. And so we pray that you speak to our heart first, that every man, woman, boy, and girl here this morning knows you as Lord and Savior. If not, what a wonderful day for the day of salvation to come, that we would be open, we would listen for that call to salvation. For those of us that do know you, that we would listen to the call for all sorts of things. If there's healing Uh, that is in need of, that we would listen to what you're calling us to. If there's things in our life that you need to overturn and uproot and just deconstruct, that we would listen. Not that you need our permission, but that we would actively play a part in our own healing when you direct us and when you call us to. And so let us just be obedient. Listen this morning. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, we thank you. We pray it in your name. Amen. All right, so we read this verse, and I want you to picture Jesus entering Jerusalem. And this was something that was to be holy. This was something that was to be sacred. This was something that was supposed to be a place, a gathering place, for people to come and connect with the very presence of God. Something holy that had been defiled. And we see Jesus get angry. Can I tell you, I know that this is a righteous anger. Because we know that Jesus was angry, yet he did not sin, right? But I want you to go back and listen to what happens. He literally comes in and overturns tables. And I'm just going to guess, everybody right here, if you were just to get mad, Brandy Sunday, where you at over there this morning? I'm calling you out. Brandy, Brandy, Brandy Sunday, Brandy Sunday. Look where she's at right there. Wait, if she wanted to, she could flip that plastic table over a million times. I mean, just, I, I know she's strong. I know Chris is scared right now trying to stir up that anger. But if she wanted to, she could flip that over. I want you to picture, though, back in the day of Jesus walking in a place and, like, they didn't have plastic. I'm talking about wood-heavy tables, right? By the way, Jesus, a carpenter before there ever was craftsman, right? Hand tools, This was a guy with callus on his hands. This was a a big guy, right? A strong guy. He comes in and he flips over tables. And it says where the pigeons were at. Pigeons flying everywhere. Anybody ever been somewhere at the park and you've seen a bunch of pigeons and they fly off the noise that it makes? Any dove hunters, you hear that, right? Like all of them flying off. Other animals running off. People scattering. Money flipping everywhere. And John's account says that Jesus even took the time to craft a whip. To make a whip. I want you to think about that. 
Our loving Savior, Jesus, He said, unless He was Indiana Jones and carried one all the time, I don't think I see other scripture for that. In fact, I believe it lends to the fact that He created it and crafted it. I want you to picture this, Him walking up to the temple and being so righteously angry and saying, I can't take this anymore. People are supposed to be connecting with God here. People are supposed to be taking this as sacred and holy. And look what they've turned it into I'm going to make a whip and I'm cleaning house. Can you picture the scene? It was not some sweet. I think we read this with Jesus as picturing Jesus with the little lamb over his shoulder and walking in and being like, excuse me, money changer. I'm going to just uproot this table. Just turn. It was violent. It was chaotic. It was, can you imagine the scene? Let me ask you this. What if he did that in a modern church setting today? Picture one that you've been to, right? Man be lattes and projectors everywhere. Overturned, messing up the coffee flow, all that stuff. I mean, really picture that. Going into a place like that we would, uh, the only thing that we could equate a temple with is a church building, right? I mean, you, you love our building out here, right? I mean, it could happen here that Jesus, or, or, or uh, the, the sense of something like that, of walking and turning over and Gatorade and lemonade spilling everywhere and turning over the supplies like you've made a mockery of this. Can you imagine what a scene that would be? What about in a traditional church setting? If you, you've got pews or you've got chairs or something like that and Jesus is just coming in and flipping out and running people off and got a whip and like hitting people and probably going to get the deacons first because that's how it goes and, and that kind of stuff. And he's whipping and running and throwing money everywhere, the offering plates and throwing them and it's saying you've made a mockery of all this. Not having it anymore. Can you imagine the scene that that is? I mean, just a complete upheaval, just a, a complete deconstructing of what was supposed to be holy but had become corrupt. I want to ask you a question. I don't think it's a stretch to come to this place and say, well, what does this have to do with our own healing? You see, I think we may be some of the ones in our own way that God has offered healing. God has called us to steps of healings, but either we're too prideful to listen, maybe we, we just haven't heard His voice in so long, we're not paying attention, or maybe there is something in our life that needs to be uprooted, deconstructed, overturned, just like this moment that Jesus had in this holy place that had become corrupt. I want to tell you this, and I want, to, I want to preface this this so simply and just so easy for everyone to not get misunderstood. I want you to know this. This morning, I am not talking about perfection. You cannot be perfect. You just can't. Jesus is the only one who has ever been perfect without sin, without blemish, and holy, holy, holy. It is God in the flesh. So when I tell you here, or I talk about sin that needs to be uprooted, overturned, I'm not talking about perfection because that will not happen until, Lord willing, you see His face and He knows you and you know Him. Everybody with me on that? Not talking about perfection, but I am saying this, while relationship may not be at stake, in other words, that if you have something so prevalent in your life, it may not be something that, like you are a believer if you know Him, 
It's not going to take that away, but here's what it can take away. It can take away intimate relationship. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You know him. He knows you. But when that sin or when that addiction or when that thing is there that's blocking, it blocks that intimate relationship. And that's where I say some, maybe you haven't heard him speak in a while because there's just so much blocking the lines of communication that he wants to speak and is speaking, but we just cannot have the bandwidth. We can't tune in to hear because of the condition of our heart or our lives. So relationship is not at stake, but an intimate one could be. So here's where I come to the temple. Recently, I just came out of a a 30-day devotion. It was a morning-evening thing. And one of the things that was talked about a lot was this idea that my body, your body, is the temple of God. That's not a stretch. I mean, we're talking about the literal old temple, like a a physical place with walls and, you know, the holy place and, 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 and everything, like, you know, priests and all this. But the New Testament talks a lot about your body. Listen to me. Everybody look this way because this is so important. If, everybody know that word, if, okay? If you know him. If you know him, your body is the temple of God. If you don't, wonderful news, it can be, okay? Got to come to saving faith in him. It's about Jesus. You've got to have the relationship. If you do not know him, your body is not the temple of God. So I want to say that real clear. And in fact, these verses that I'm about to read are all from Paul, and he is writing the church in every one of them. So as he's addressing this, he's addressing those who believe, those who are believers in Jesus Christ. So if you know him, this is true about you. If not, you can know him. And I'd love to talk with you more about that today. But it is about Jesus, nothing you can do on your own. But listen to these few verses. If you don't believe me about your body being the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Pretty straightforward, right? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit if you know Him. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Everybody got that? If you know Him. Can we be a little honest this morning and say somehow that kind of freaks me out a little bit too because we know us? It means when you sin, when you are actively involved in something you know you shouldn't be or in something you should be and you're not, His Spirit dwells in you. You are the temple. You are the temple. What if Jesus comes for a visit in the temple that is you today? 2 Corinthians 6.16, for we are the temple of the living God. And there's more, but you get the point. It is over and over, especially in the New Testament, about talking about our body being the temple of the living God. Romans 8.9, the Spirit of God dwells in you. I could go on and on, but if you know Him, we are the temple. Can I ask you a question lovingly this morning? I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bow your heads for just a second. I'm not going to ask anything weird of you. I'm not going to like make you dance or sing or anything like that, but I want to ask you a question. And first, before I ask the question, I want you to picture this. I want you to picture, if you will, the inside of your body 
being the temple of the living God, if you know him. And if not, I pray that you're praying about asking him to take up residence there today. He can in Jesus' name. But if you know him, I want you to picture your body as the temple. You know the story that I just read. Here's the question. Are there tables he needs to overturn in your own heart? Are you actively seeking him and allowing a suitable space for the divine to live in you? All right, check it with me. Kind of brings it home, doesn't it? When you, when you picture this idea of Jesus walking into the temple, and maybe not even walk, can we, I mean, I know Jesus walked, but like, maybe Jesus trotted, maybe Jesus ran. I mean, I'm picturing a moment like any, any Marvel fans, any Avenger fans, like I'm picturing a Hulk up moment here, right? Like Jesus walking in, and we know again, he did not sin. You can be angry and not sin. There are things in this world that should righteously make you angry to see someone oppressed or see someone not valued or see someone mistreated, see someone physically harmed, spiritually harmed. It should anger us, and it's okay to be angry. Now, what you do with that is how we channel that, how we work with that, but Jesus walked in and said, this is enough. They've taken the holy and they've corrupted it. And I'm going to overturn and uproot this place. And by the way, there was some foreshadowing there of of things to come of I'm uprooting the whole system, y'all. That's what Jesus said in the keys version. I'm uprooting everything. I'm deconstructing it all. In fact, you're not even going to need this physical dwelling place because, hello, I'm going to reside in you. My spirit is going to dwell in you. That is going to be the place that we connect. You no longer need to go and have a mediator as a priest because Jesus is the mediator that we have with the Father. Do you get that? That He, if you know Him, lives inside of you. His spirit dwells in you and in me. What does he need to overturn? What does he need to uproot? And again, not talking about perfection. That will come when our faith becomes sight. But guys, let's be honest. Who out here says, I got some things in my life that need cleaned up? Anybody want to admit that with me? I'm raising my hand. Anybody got it? Here's where I want to take the pressure off, though. Listen to me. That's Jesus' job. Right? I mean, Jesus is ultimately the one that's going to be able to cleanse the temple. He is the one that's going to be overturned and uproot. But can I tell you this? I think we play a part in it by humbly coming to him today and saying, Jesus, almost like the prayer of David, if there be anything offensive in me, show me. Create in me a clean heart. Remove it from me. Help me. Tell me what to do. I think we can play a part in that. And just like last or or two weeks ago when I said that I think that sometimes we get in the way of our own healing by Him calling us to some prescriptive manner. And again, your manner is different than mine. I said, I don't have that word of God for you. I'm not going to come to you and say, Meredith, God told me that, you know, you need to do this, this, and this. And go down to Railroad Park and dip seven times in that yucky pond and everything's going to be okay. I don't have that word, but He may speak that to her. 
And if so, my advice to Meredith, go down that nasty pond and dip seven times. may seem weird, but if he's calling you to it, I wouldn't sit on the sideline saying, nah, I don't think so, because that may be the way that he's going to bring healing. But what we tend to do is we get that call, and just like Naaman from a few weeks ago, we sit there and say, but I don't want that. Right, Meredith, if you had the choice, would you rather dip in the pond or would you rather him do one of them little deals? Like we all want it drawn up that way. Probably not going to happen. In fact, I want to tell you this. I, I'm not trying to be a bearer of bad news this morning, but even you in a humble posture this morning, if you say, Jesus, I know right now, I know specific. I don't even have to think. I know the tables you want to overturn in my life. I know the things you want to uproot. It's not just going to go away. He's going to call us, and He's going to walk with us, and He will see us through it, but we've got to listen, and we've got to follow Him. He is the one. He is the only one that can do it, because if you do it on your own, it's just going to be some kind of false, righteous work just going through the motions. Know how I know? I'm the chief of that. Well, if I just read a little more of my devotion, if I just pray a little more, if I just, you know, maybe I'm a little nicer, you know, or if I just help one more lady across the street today, I can get prescriptive with myself and that turns into religion. But relationship is listening to Jesus speak. If he lives inside of us, I'm going to go and say he can speak to us. may not be an audible voice, but we listen and we follow we seek and we walk, it's going to go much better than if you try to tackle it on your own. So here's what I ask you. Two weeks ago, I said that healing's probably not going to come in the way that you want it. You may be the one of your, in, in the way of your own healing because you've just not listened to what he's called you to do. And this week, I would echo again that we may be the ones in the way of it because we've let something holy, the temple of God, become corrupt, and there's sin that he wants to uproot and overturn. I just simply ask this, three questions. One, do you know him? Do you know him personally today? If not, man, it's available. He died for you. He, he died for you to take your place, to pay this thing that you can't pay, this sin debt that you can't pay. So that's the number one thing. Do you know him? If you don't, would you like to? You can. You talk to anybody out here that you know and trust, they'll be glad to walk you through that. It's so simple. In fact, I think if you're already at a place of God leading you to, to answer that call, yes, then you're already uh, most of the way there. You just want to celebrate that and pray and ask him. But then lastly, I would say this, if you know him, what are those things that need to be overturned? What are those things that need to be uprooted? Will you pray with me? Jesus, this morning, we just, uh, the fact that we as sinners that know you could actually be the temple of God is honestly kind of mind-blowing to me. that you, a holy God, would care anything about dwelling and having relationship with me because I know I am far from holy. But Jesus, we thank you. And I pray that you lead us to a place of from even two weeks ago that if there are ways that you have called us into healing, that, again, not an overnight thing, it may be a process. 
maybe one step at a time that you take away whatever that is. I pray that we would walk in that. And I pray that thinking this week of our body, if we know you as the temple, if there are things that need to be overturned and uprooted, one, that we would just be open and honest about that and walk humbly with you and say, Jesus, will you take that? I give that. I give that to you, Jesus. And then again, just listen. Just stay out of our own way in the healing that we listen and we follow, we seek and we walk. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, we thank you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Guys, hang tight. We'll call out names here in just a bit.